You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Just a couple of short Bible stories for children now, looking at the Apostle Paul. These were originally presented at the Bible School, the Winter Bible School, that is usually held in Castleton in the UK. Um, These short episodes are also available as videos on the ChristadelphianVideo.org website, as are most of our podcasts. Thank you for listening. Right then, everybody, so we need to make sure we're comfortable and listening carefully to tonight's story. Okay, and tonight's story is called Paul on the Road to Damascus. Saul of Tarsus, or Paul as he was later called, had got what he wanted. He held on to them, no doubt with grim satisfaction. The high priest could have said no, but he had said yes. Of course, the high priest was very unlikely to have refused Saul's request. After all, Saul was an ideal Jew. He had been circumcised the eighth day, he was of the stock of Israel, and he belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. He was truly a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and he had been well taught in the law. His teacher had been none other than Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, who had an excellent reputation. And on top of all that, as far as keeping the law of Moses was concerned, Saul was a Pharisee. In fact, he was the son of a Pharisee. The Pharisees had a very strict way of living, including following many traditions which they had made up themselves over the years. Anybody who had known Saul from the beginning could testify that Saul always lived according to the strict ways of the Pharisees. He was, in his own way, very zealous towards God. No, it was very unlikely that the high priest would have refused the request of Saul. And now Saul had got what he wanted. He had got the letters he had requested. They were letters from the high priests which were addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. The letters said that if there were any followers of Jesus of Nazareth in the synagogues in Damascus, both men and women, then Saul had the permission of the high priest to tie them up, bring them to Jerusalem and punish them. This was not the first time Saul had been involved in persecuting the followers of Christ. When the Jews stoned Stephen, who was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, the Jews had laid their cloaks at the feet of Saul for him to look after. And Saul agreed with what they were doing, for we are told that as Stephen was dying, Saul was consenting to his death. After Stephen's death, there was a great persecution against the ecclesia which was at Jerusalem, 
the brethren and sisters in the meeting were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And it was then that Saul came to the fore. He tried to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. No longer content to stand and watch, he made havoc of the ecclesia, entering into every house of the followers of Christ and dragged both men and women away and put them into prison. Some would eventually be put to death. He punished Christ's followers in every synagogue and even compelled them to blaspheme. But then Saul heard that some followers of Christ had got as far as Damascus, a city in Syria to the north of Israel. The spreading of this gospel was getting out of hand. So Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples, had gone to the high priest to request the letters. The high priest and the other priests and elders were happy to oblige. The Lord Jesus had warned his disciples that they would be persecuted. He compared this to when wolves attack an animal. As he said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Saul was like a wolf as he persecuted the followers of Christ. In fact, way back in Genesis, Jacob had said of the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. Saul, who remember was of the tribe of Benjamin, was like a wolf hunting down its prey. When a wolf sets off to hunt, it knows it would be difficult to, on, to hunt on its own. Instead, when wolves hunt, they hunt in packs. Like a wolf, Saul of Tarsus knew better than to go, on his, uh, go alone. True, he had authority and commission from the chief priests, but he would be foolish to hunt alone. So he gathered some men to go with him. When they were ready, they set off and headed north from Jerusalem. The wolf pack was now on the move. It may seem strange they were prepared to travel so far as the, as the crow flies from Jerusalem to Damascus, the distance is over 130 miles, but the actual route along winding roads would be even longer. The journey would take several days. But this is how wolf packs hunt. Wolves have been known to trail a prey such as elk or caribou for many days before they make their attack. Day after day, the wolf pack journeyed north. Meanwhile, the followers of Christ in Damascus were meeting together and preaching the gospel. What had they to fear? After all, they were over a hundred miles away from the persecution in Jerusalem. But they were in great danger. They were like a flock of unsuspecting sheep about to be attacked by ravenous wolves. The day arrived when Saul and his men were getting near to Damascus. Perhaps by now they could see the city on the horizon. It was about the middle of day when the noonday sun was at its hottest and brightest. Still, not long to go now. Soon they would be there and then they could begin their work of hunting down these followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Nothing, it seemed, could stop them now. But that is when 
it happened. Without warning, Saul saw a great light shining from heaven. But it was no ordinary light. It surrounded Saul and the men who were with him like a spotlight on the stage. And it was a great light which, despite it being midday, was above the brightness of the sun. Saul and his men fell to the ground. They had been stopped in their tracks. Then Saul heard a voice speaking to him, saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who was it? Saul had no idea, but the voice was speaking the Hebrew tongue, so it must be a Jew. Who art thou, Lord? asked Saul. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest, said the voice. Saul must have been stunned. The followers of Christ had claimed that Jesus Christ had risen the third day after his crucifixion and was alive. To Saul it must have seemed a ridiculous claim. But now he realised they were right. The Lord Jesus was indeed alive, for the Lord Jesus was now speaking to him. But not only that, the Lord was saying that when Saul had been persecuting the followers of Christ, he had in effect been persecuting Christ himself. Saul must have thought back to all the terrible things he had done and all the terrible things he was planning on doing in Damascus. What was going to happen to him now? But Christ then said something else to him. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, or stings as the word can also be translated. Later on in the New Testament, sin is called a sting. Saul had been trying to overcome sin by just obeying the law of Moses, but this is a hard, painful and ultimately impossible way to overcome sin. The only way Saul could overcome sin was the person who was now speaking to him, the Lord Jesus Christ. But now Saul was trembling with astonishment. The Bible says that doves tremble. Saul had been like a wolf, but now he was like a harmless dove. What shall I do, Lord? he said. What did Christ say next? Later on in Acts of the Apostles, Paul gave a detailed account to King Agrippa of what Christ said. Rise, and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. But what did all this mean? What did he have to do exactly? And what was Saul to do in the meantime? Was he to go straight back to Jerusalem? Christ then gave him clear instructions. Arise! and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. But getting to, to Damascus would not be easy. When the light had come, Saul had shut his eyes, as we would have done too. He must have kept them shut tight as he lay down, no doubt with his face to the ground. But as he got to his feet and opened his eyes, he realised he had a big problem. The light had been so bright that it had blinded him. He could not even see the men who were with him. But they had not been blinded. So they led Saul by the hand and took him towards Damascus.
What was Saul now thinking as he continued his journey, stumbling blindly towards the city? A short time before, he had been leading his men to Damascus. He was the one who had given, been given the letters, the authority from the priests and elders to persecute the followers of Christ. But now he was not leading, he was being led by others. And it turned out that Jesus of Nazareth was alive, and that when he had been persecuting his followers, he had really been persecuting Christ himself. And so, with all these thoughts whirling around in his mind, he was led into Damascus. Saul was taken to a house in Damascus owned by a man called Judas. The house was on the street called Straight. Judas must have been worried about him. Not only was Saul blind, but he would not eat nor drink. He was like that for three days. If he did not at least drink soon, then he would die. But Saul had not been sitting around feeling sorry for himself. We are told that during that time he was praying to God. It was a little like Jonah who spent three days in the fish's belly. And we are told that he too prayed to God during that time. What did Saul pray to God? He must have prayed for forgiveness, but no words are recorded. However, Jonah wrote, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord and he heard me. No doubt this was also true of Saul. He was in affliction because of his blindness, his hunger, his thirst and his guilt for all the wrong he had done. God heard Jonah after three days he escaped from the fish. Would God listen to Saul too? God did listen to him, for during that time he was given a vision. In this vision he saw a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias was a disciple living in Damascus. He was a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt in Damascus. The Lord gave him a vision too. In the vision, he told him about Saul and how he was praying and how he had been given a vision of Ananias coming to him. But Ananias was apprehensive and worried about going to see Saul of Tarsus. As he said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority for the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. We can understand how Ananias must have felt. Ananias was one of those who would have been bound and taken to Jerusalem to be punished by Saul. It would seem foolish to go and see him. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias faithfully obeyed and went his way and entered into the house where Saul was staying. He stood by him, put his hands on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately his eyesight came back as scales or flakes fell away from his eyes. Then he was able to look up and see Ananias. Then Ananias said to him, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise, and be baptised, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Saul did not delay. 
he arose and was baptized. We then read that when he had received meat, he was strengthened. But Saul still had to have a lot of preparation before he could start the work the Lord had called him to do. In his letter to the Galatians, he tells us about this preparation. He says that after his baptism, he did not go to Jerusalem, but went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. During his time in Arabia, he was taught things by what he calls the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was given direct instruction by Christ, presumably through the angels. After this, he returned to Damascus. During this time, he stayed with the followers of Christ in the city. And he went to the synagogues, not to persecute, but to preach the gospel. He was particularly keen to show them that Jesus of Nazareth truly was the Son of God. The Jews in Damascus were amazed. This is what they said. Is not this he that destroyed them, which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul was not put off by this. Instead, he increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that the Jesus of Nazareth was indeed Christ. The Jews in Damascus, who were not followers of Christ, eventually could take no more. The man who had been an up-and-coming Pharisee was now on the side of those he was supposed to be persecuting. After many days, the Jews took counsel to kill him. They lay in wait by the gates of Damascus day and night. As soon as Saul tried to leave the city, they would slay him. But Saul found out about their plan. The disciples took him by night and let him down the wall in a basket. Saul then made his way to Jerusalem. He tried to join up with the followers of Christ who were in the city. But the last time he had been there, he had been a persecutor of the followers of Christ. The brethren and sisters were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he was now a disciple. But Barnabas did believe that Saul was now a genuine follower of Christ. He took Saul and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord on the road to Damascus and that the Lord had spoken to him. He also told them how Saul had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. This was just the beginning for Saul, who later became known as Paul. He would go on to faithfully serve his master, preaching the gospel. He would never forget that day when he had come near to Damascus and was blinded by the light and spoken to by Christ. As he later said to King Agrippa, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Paul wrote many letters which we can read today. We can also read his speeches which he gave during his preaching across the Roman world. Let's learn from the things he wrote and spoke and let's follow his example of obedience which he showed after the vision on the road to Damascus. And let us look forward to that time when Christ will return and Paul, along with all the other faithful of old, will be granted a place in God's kingdom. Not now as a persecutor, but as a follower of Christ. As the prophet Isaiah said when writing about the kingdom, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb.
Bedtime story for tonight. It's still on the Apostle Paul and his adventures in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight we're going to look at Paul's adventure with Silas in Philippi. And uh, that is what we're going to look at. It's nice to see you all. And as you may know, the Apostle Paul was a great preacher. He, he took the the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming kingdom everywhere he went. And he traveled miles and miles and miles in order to spread the good news, the gospel to every, every part of the known world in those days. So and today, uh, the story we're looking at, he goes to this place called Philippi. And that is a beautiful little story. And what happens is that he is actually at the moment before he gets to Philippi, he is in a place called Troas. And um, in Troas, um, he's come to the to, to the coast there. And, and if you can see the, the map, if you know anything about maps, you can see Troas on the map there, maybe. Um, and, and Troas is on the coast there, and he's come come there from uh, all the way across, which is now modern day Turkey. And he traveled a long, long way, and now he's in Troas, and then he has a dream. And in that dream, he sees a man from another part, from a place called Macedonia. And they say, come over here and help us. And of course, that was God sending this, this dream to, to the Apostle Paul so that he would come and help the people in Philippi, which is in Macedonia. So from Troas, they set sail and go across um, a sea on to the other side, and, and now he comes to this place called Philippi. What he usually does is that he goes to the synagogue because he wants to talk to the Jews first, Jews first, and then the Gentiles. That's what he's always done. But in this case, he doesn't. He doesn't go to the synagogue. And we wonder whether maybe there wasn't a synagogue in Philippi, but he'd heard that there was a special place somewhere. There was a place where women were praying. And that's what he's now looking at. And that was by a river. Let's just have a look there. See the women. Can you see the women there? These women praying. And they were believers in God. They didn't have a synagogue, so I assume. So they, they find somewhere else quiet where they can pray to God. And amongst those was a wonderful lady called Lydia. She was a seller of purple. And that means clothes that were colored in a, in a purple, purple color, which was very expensive in those days. And she, was, uh, she sold those clothes and she was a believer. She believed in the God of the Jews. Now, when then Paul and Silas talked to these women and, and said, and probably some other people as well, and said, look, there, are, there, there is a, a bit more to this story and explained all about Jesus. And, and Lydia then became a believer. And she said, come and stay with me. Come and stay with me. And it was a wonderful thing. She opened her house to the Apostle Paul and Silas so they could stay at her house and enjoy the hospitality and friendship there. But there's always people who don't want to hear the gospel, don't like it, or for some reason are against it. And it was the same in Philippi. Certain people didn't like Paul, didn't like Silas, so they arranged, they accused them that they were doing the wrong thing um, 
teaching things which uh, which they weren't allowed to do because they were Roman citizens. That's what they're claiming, at least, which wasn't really true. But it, they were setting them up. So what happened is that they were thrown in prison. Poor Paul, poor Silas, were thrown into prison. But what were they doing in prison? You know, they were they were put there in, in the stock where they had they had their hands, you know, the wrists were fastened into this wooden structure so they couldn't move, and the feet as well. They would be very cramped. It would be very uncomfortable sitting. Can you see what they're doing? Are they very unhappy? Do they look unhappy? Actually singing. They were singing. They were singing hymns. Even though they were in this terrible situation, sitting in the prison, singing hymns to God. And that is amazing in itself, isn't it? You know, when things go wrong, when, when things happen that we don't like, we're going to sing a hymn to God? Are we going to sing praises to God and thank him for what he's done for us? That's, that's, that's a, the, an amazing example that we need to try and follow. So here's Paul and Silas, and they were singing hymns. And you know what happened? What happened next was interesting. At midnight, so we're singing hymns in the night. At midnight, the whole thing started to shake. There was an earthquake and the whole thing started to shake and the whole thing was falling apart. And he, lo and behold, the stocks fell off, the doors opened and they could have walked out. And you know, the whole prison, everyone in the prison, all the doors opened in this earthquake. All the, you know, if they had any chains, they were all broken somehow. You know what happened? There was a man, the jailer, and he was very afraid. He's looking everywhere. Oh, no, all the doors are open. What am I going to do? All my prisoners will have escaped. So he was about to kill himself. Can you see his sword there? It's about to and Paul, he could have said, you know what? This jailer, he's not a nice man. He, he threw us in prison. Well, I wouldn't touch him and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything bad to him. But if he wants to do it to himself, you know, go ahead. But no, he wasn't like that. Paul wasn't like that at all. He said to him, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And so the, the jailer then doesn't kill himself. In fact, he goes to Paul and Silas and he falls down on his knees and says, you know, what must I do to be saved? Because he knew that Paul and Silas, he must have known, maybe he was listening to the hymns they were singing, maybe he'd heard them preach before. He knew that they had the answer to where is salvation? How can we be saved? So he's asking them, how can we possibly be saved? And so what do Paul and Silas do? Paul doesn't say, yeah, no, you throw us in prison. I'm not going to tell you about Jesus. Not at all. He's happy, Paul said. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you about Jesus. Jesus came to save sinners. You know, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We can all be saved because of what Jesus did for us. So he actually had pity on this jailer. And what happened then, of course, is that even though, um, you know, they, they, they had been beaten, possibly the jailer had beaten them as well. What happened next is that the jailer takes them home. And he washes the, cleans them up, cleans the stripes, and then he gives them a meal. And then all, the whole household hears about Jesus. 
and then the jailer and probably his wife, you know, they all baptized. They were baptized and then they became part of the, the little ecclesia in, in Philippi, together with Lydia and the faithful women. And now they're, they're very happy. And that's a great story how things started to turn out really badly, didn't they? They were thrown into prison for something that they hadn't done. And then there was this jailer who wasn't a nice man. Threw them in prison, maybe was in on the beating. And yet, and yet God turned it all around. And they were showing great faith in singing hymns rather than moping and being all miserable and feeling sad for themselves. There's some great lessons for us there. So let's think about those things when, when next time um, things go wrong so that we can thank God for them and put God first in our life. All right, that's it for tonight. So. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.